friend Say I won't do it and did it again I got some dogs who want me to win Went to the lot and bought a new Benz I hit the gas, I'm going with the win I'm only getting in where I fit in It's a two-seater, you can Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of Pewter Report. Folks, we got a big show today, and it got even bigger about an hour ago when some breaking news happened. Jenna Lane from ESPN reported first that Bucks inside linebacker. Devin White, Super Bowl champion, one-time Pro Bowler, but not last year, has requested a trade. I can confirm that the team uh, received news of that. I can also tell you the Bucks have no intention of trading him. I can tell you also that this is about Devin White not wanting to play on his fifth-year option. I can also tell you that I'm Scott Reynolds from Pewter Report, and alongside me is Josh Capo. Pewter Reporter and our capologist here at Pewter Report. And there are some salary cap ramifications about this. Maybe not so much salary cap, more like salary implications about all of this, because even though, listen, I don't have Devin White's number. I can't even follow Devin White. He's blocked the Pewter Report page. That's what happens, I guess, when you criticize a player for taking some plays off in the Baltimore Ravens game last year, but we're blocked. But uh, we can tell you what Devin White has talked about. And uh, we, what we do know from our other sources is that this is uh, apparently about Devin White not wanting to play on his fifth-year option, which he's standing to make this, uh, this year, Josh, $11.706 million. And, uh, and I just wrote about this in a recent SR's Fab Five. I want to say it was last week or two weeks ago. It's draft month, folks. It all runs together at this point in time. But we kind of kind of forecasted this a little bit. Uh, here's just a snippet. The Fab Five, this is in Section Fab Three. Bucks may wait to give Devin White a contract extension. And I'm not going to read you the whole thing, but primarily for two reasons. Number one, Devin White wants to become uh, the highest paid inside linebacker. Right, Josh? That is correct. He, he said that since before he was drafted yeah. in uh, 2018. Yeah, so he wants to be the highest paid inside linebacker in the league and top Roquan Smith's deal, which that means over $20 million per season. Like that's, that's the average per contract year that he wants to make. And, you know, right now he's making half of that, just about half of that with 11 million uh, and some change. And uh, in, so the Buccaneers didn't want to do that for two reasons. Number one, because he was inconsistent. He's actually been inconsistent through stretches of each year of his of his NFL career so far. He's 25 years old, still a young player, but especially last year had some really bouts of, of, of inconsistency. And we also saw this really kind of burst on the scene, Josh, at the end of the 2021 20, season when his partner in crime, Levante David, was out. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I should um, correct myself. Uh, Devin White was drafted in 2019. Yeah. Not 2018, I apologize. Um, so you're absolutely right, Scott. I mean, Devin White went top 10, top five overall that year. Yeah. And it was because his physical traits are everything that you could ever want in a linebacker. Right. And the ceiling for White is probably uncapped. Yeah. However, as you pointed out, over these first four years of his career, while we've seen glimpses of that ceiling 
and glimpses of high-end play and a lot of splash plays. Let's not yes. take that away from Devin. He's had some no absolutely fantastic splash plays. He, he's you know almost got 10 sacks as an inside linebacker a couple years ago. He got the Pro Bowl. He did help the team to a 2020 Super Bowl. Yep. However, that's been buttressed by a lot of subpar play. Right. Right. He just can't seem to get a consistent level of performance. And I think and and I I know you think this as well. The Bucks want to see more consistency before they open up the checkbook and write that long term contract. And that's why they wanted to keep him on the fifth year option that they exercised uh, two off seasons ago, I guess. No, last off season. And uh, and and see if he can finally put it all together for a long stretch of time this year. Yes. Now, that's the first reason why is because the Bucs don't feel like he has quite achieved that status as the highest paid inside linebacker, especially, let's face it, he really earned the Pro Bowl, in my opinion, in the 2020 season. Sometimes the Pro Bowl is a year behind, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you ha- c- Certainly, there's some Pro Bowl snubs. As a matter of fact, folks, let's not forget pewter people. There's only one Pewter Pro Bowler in 2020, the year the Bucks made the Super Bowl, that was Jason Pierre-Paul. Okay, <laughs> the next year, with a couple of, of injuries, like you know Tom Brady didn't, didn't play all that stuff, but even though he was voted in, there were nine Pewter Pro Bowlers. Right? And and granted, the Bucks were 13 and four. I'm not taking anything away from that, but some of these were makeups from the previous year. Mm-hmm. And I thought Devin White played better in 2020. Did it? He did it in 2021, and that was kind of a makeup, right? For for that now, having said all that, the second reason why, and, and as I, I talked about here, this is just the first line of, of the Fab Five. Bucks general manager Jason Light has responsibility to the franchise to have one eye on the present day football team and one eye toward the future. That's one reason why Tampa Bay could hold off giving inside linebacker Devin White a contract extension this season. So the first reason is what, what Josh and I talked about. They don't team does not feel he's worth that yet. They want to see one more year of Devin White. The Bucs did the same thing with Jameis Winston. They decided not to extend him, opting for Tom Brady instead. That was a wise move. Uh, the second reason is, again, Todd Bowles' future, right? Uh, Todd Bowles, and I, and I said it right here, Todd Bowles has a blind spot for Devin White, who can just about do no wrong in his eyes. As long as Bowles, the head coach in Tampa Bay, White will be his playmaking inside linebacker. But if Bowles gets fired, the decision to re-sign White could fall on the lap of the new head coach. And Light, of course. Paying any player $20 million or more per season is a huge investment, Josh. You will attest to that. Mm-hmm. And will take up a considerable chunk of Tampa Bay salary cap in the future. A new head coach might want to allocate those resources in another direction. So that is White being a good steward of the team's money and understanding that the Glaziers, his boss, they've given every coach they've hired two years. And yes, Todd Bowles did win the NFC South last year and did have, he was straddled with a coaching staff that he didn't always agree with and didn't always want from the beginning. And But if the, if the bottom falls out this year, Josh, if this team wins four games, right, if, if all these moves that, that Light and Bowles have made, it might cost Bowles his job. Right, if if they win four or five games and the Glaciers decide to to reboot, and it might even cost Light his job, but he's got to be the general manager of the team and not do what's best for him necessarily or his head coach, but what's best for the team. I think Jason Light's doing the right thing for the team right now, and understanding that 
Todd Bowles getting fired could be a possibility. He doesn't want that to happen. He and the Glaciers signed off on Todd Bowles becoming Bruce Arians' successor. But it's a huge commitment, Josh. Yep. $20 million per year is huge. Yeah, yeah. And, and you have to imagine with the – I mean, it, I know it, it at that number it's not much, but White wants to be the highest paid, which means more than $20 million, Correct. Right? Yes. Uh, I think I, I wrote an article earlier this offseason for Pewter Report where I projected um, an extension for White probably around $105 million, yeah. which is $21 million a year. Um, yep. I, I, this whole situation kind of reminds me of a, a story I read when Trey Lance was coming out um, and Kyle Shanahan apparently fell in love with him, right? Yep. They went to his, his pro day and when they were in the car driving back to the airport, uh, they were looking and Shanahan was already writing up all these different plays specifically for <laughs> Trey Lance's skill yeah. set. Right. And I kind of get the feeling that Todd Bowles has that same infatuation with the physical skills that Devin White has. Yes. He can draw up these plays that most other linebackers can't execute or don't have the physical ability to execute that Devin White can. Right. And because of that, he's fallen in love with the high-end version of Devin White. Yeah. And what Jason Light is doing... It, it, needs to do as the the general manager is to say okay yes he can do that but what has he done and yep. what can we reasonably expect him to do on a consistent basis which right. is much different than what todd bowles is following in love with in terms of the best version of him um i know yep. you and i have had plenty of conversations about pro football focus i will mm -hmm. readily admit i think their linebacker grading is probably the most difficult position for them to grade and, and probably has the most holes yep. in it but with without the context of any other publicly available data i think it's at least decent to bring up the idea of what his pro football focus grades have been over the course yeah. of his career and sure in them. 2019 his overall defensive grade was a 51.9 now keep yeah. in mind pewter report fans bucks fans yeah. 60s is about average yeah. right and 70s are good right? 70s are good 80s yeah. are great 90s you're talking Our about elites. like hall yeah. of fame level play yeah. right so his rookie year, he had a 51.9 defensive grade. His coverage grade was 57.4. Right. In his sophomore season, that fell to 43.4 overall defensive grade, 39.8 in coverage. Yeah. 2021, to your point, um, Scott, it, it was a worse season than 2020. 36.2 defensive grade, 43.5 in coverage. And then this past year, 45.5, and his coverage grade was 47.6. So yeah. not once in his career has he been graded out by pro football focus as even an average linebacker. Yeah. And you know what? Here's what I'll say. I, I think I'm not going to say that there is bias, but PFF doesn't like Devin White. I'm just going to say that. But here's the thing, Josh. Here's the thing. Add 10 more points onto every one of those grades. OK, just yep. like just say let's let's just say there is some bias. Right. Some organizational bias. They don't like, like where you're going here. OK, just add 10 more points. Right. That's a whole letter grade. If if I turn in a paper and you're my professor and you say this is C work and I say, no, it's not. This is at least a B. You're like, fine. OK, you go from 70 to 80 or you go from 75 to 85. Right. OK, let's let's say I talk you into another letter grade higher with 10 sure. more points. What does 10 more points do? Just just overall grades for 2019 through 2022. Oh, I mean, he's still, uh, I think one season he'd make average, right? right. And then the and other that's three seasons, he's still <laughs> below average. So yeah. any way you point slice right it, yeah, yeah, it's hard to come up with 
Devin White is worth more than $20 million a year unless you fall in love with sack numbers. Right. And I don't know if Jason Light's in, in love with his sack numbers. Yeah. So these are some recent, well, this is a, a picture of Devin White's profile. Somebody sent me, I think JC Allen sent me this because again, he's blocked the Peter Report account. <laughs> but you can see at the top, there's no profile picture for Devin White. He's removed everything Buccaneers yep. from his, uh, his header. He's got the word consistency there, which, boy, that, that, that's a good theme for him uh, for, for 2023, for sure, because he needs to be more consistent to get paid by the Bucks or anybody else. But I, I put this up there because of, of the tweet here, um, all about the birds. And he, he retweeted this with a, a quote tweet. And he, it's, a, it's a picture of Devin White in a uh, mock-up uh, Eagles uniform. It says, let's make it happen, pound Devin White, fly Eagles, fly. Devin White says, green, my favorite color. Is that a little hint, Josh, that this is about money? Or am I just thinking he likes uh, Kelly Green? Maybe I think I think it's a double entendre there. I think it is, too. Uh, but 40 and 45 are my numbers. Appreciate the love with the green heart. So um, that's Devin White, folks. That's your, that's your captain. And uh, he's angling for a payday. Now, uh, real quick before we bring on our special guest, uh, Marcus Whitman, and we'll certainly ask him about some linebacker questions because we didn't think this was going to be the topic for today. But, Josh, the, the interesting thing about the, the Devin White situation is – and he has to understand this. And I, and I hope that either Mike Greenberg or Jason Light or Todd Bowles can, can tell this kid. The Buccaneers invested the fifth overall pick in him. The team thinks incredibly highly of him, so much so that they're not going to trade him. And part of the reason they're not going to trade him is because he doesn't have much trade value. And mm -hmm. I, I, I see people in the chat, you know, get, a, get at least a first for him or maybe a second and a third. No, folks, no team is going to trade for Devin White because then they will only be renting him for one year. And then they'll be right back in this situation again. Because whether it's the Buccaneers or the team he's traded to, they're going to have to make him the highest paid inside linebacker in the league. Yeah. And I, 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 I don't see a team out there that is ready to do that, especially with the red flag, pun intended with the Buccaneers, the red flag of, the Buccaneers, the team that drafted him, the coach that loves him, they don't want to pay him $21, 22000000 million a year right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it basically becomes a three-way trade because the Bucs have to be happy with the compensation. The yeah. acquiring team has to be happy with what they're giving up. And then Devin White has to be happy with the contract that they're going to give him, right? Bingo. Because no team's going to offer to give up assets only to acquire him to get into a stalemate on his contract demands. Exactly. So ultimately they have to have a, a trade in place. Great example of that is when AJ Brown went from the Titans to the Eagles on draft day just yes. a year ago, right? The, yep. the deal was done for his new contract with the Eagles before that day of the draft was over. Right. So yep. it, it's, it's a, a tightrope for all parties involved. And I just don't see it happening. I definitely don't see yep. it happening to the Eagles for, for that, I think it's pick 30. The Eagles yeah. don't value linebackers like that. Right. They just don't. Yeah. And this is not a great linebacker draft, but the one thing I will say is Todd Bowles loves Devin White like a son. Okay. So unless Devin White can say something right now to really piss off Todd Bowles and spit the hook, Todd Bowles is not going to want to trade him. It's just not not going to happen. So, and the Buccaneers right now, I mean, they just signed Levante, David, you and I both know, and they know, Josh, there's no, it's not KJ Britt. 
right? It's not JJ Russell. There, there's no. no linebacker waiting in the wings that's starting caliber on this team. And no. this is not a good linebacker draft. And it's a perfect time for us to bring in uh, somebody who knows the draft, not just the Buccaneers, but uh, all these prospects and every team's needs. Um, Marcus Whitman, who is uh, going to join us right now. Um, and, and I'll tell you, Marcus, we didn't expect to be talking linebackers with you today. Welcome to the Peter Report <laughs> podcast. But we, we've had some breaking news here with Devin White. And uh, I, I don't think the Buccaneers are going to trade him. But uh, this is not exactly the best draft to be looking for his replacement, is it not? You're spot on about that. Um, thank you guys for for having me. I think I think the Bucks are are a very fascinating team with, with their window. So excited to talk some draft and some Bucks. But yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> the linebacker class is about as bad as I remember. Um, yeah. I mean, going back over, I've been doing this for six years, and I, I think especially when you talk about the depth, like it falls, I, I ended up liking the top three guys in this yeah. draft, which for me are going to be Diane, Diane Henley out yeah. of Washington state, Drew Sanders out of Arkansas mm -hmm. and Jack Campbell out of Iowa. I yeah. think first round is, is, is not in play for me for those guys, but in the second round, I, I do, do see those guys with very different flavors and as right. guys that, you know, could, could potentially be starters in this league. And uh, Jack, Jack Campbell's case is like an immediate starter very complete player, just not the most athletic guy. Right. Henley is kind of that coverage build reminds me a lot of like an Eric Kendricks in Minnesota, uh, converted wide receiver. He can, you know, run those zone coverages, cover players, mm -hmm. not grass and zone. I just love the way he moves and just understands the way guys are attacking that part of the field. And then Drew Sanders is a complete like boomer bust kind of guy. I think he was an edge at Alabama was like yeah. a five-star recruit, converted to uh, off-ball, went to Arkansas. And I actually ended up liking him a lot more than I expected. Really moves well, uh, you know, urgent against the run, just mm -hmm. very much developing as far as the processing side of things. So, you know, those guys are fine. Um, but after that, man, it is a crazy drop-off. I, I am not a fan of Trenton Simpson out of yeah, Clemson. Not either. I've tried. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, I, I like the highlight reel. I don't like the low light right. reel whatsoever. Right. And the highlight reel is very short. Yep, yep. But I, I will say, if you did move Devin White, he's he's not a terrible comparison for a guy like Trent yeah. Simpson, who who is an incredible blitzer. That is the one right. thing about him that uh, for both Devin White and Trent Simpson, and they both ran. What did White end up running? Four four flat. Four four two. Four four one. I think yeah. four four yeah. something like that. Yeah. So four four three for Trent and Simpson. So, like, from a Bucks perspective, that actually might not be a bad target, um, especially as someone you could potentially groom behind yeah. Devin White. And then you're getting into, you know, a bunch of athletic developmental guys, Dorian Williams, D. Winners, Yasir Abdullah. Yeah. I'm not a fan of Henry Toa Toa out of Alabama. So, it's it's just like there's three guys that I think could be starters, some developmental pieces. Um, but compared to last year, there's like seven or eight guys that was pretty good linebacker class last year. Yeah. And uh, this class just does not stack up. It, it doesn't. And uh, I, again, I, I think the Buccaneers are, are, I think they hold the cards in this. And, and I, I believe that Devin White, he might, you know, hold out till training camp or whatever, but um, you know, he's going to want to get paid. And um, I think Jason Light, Todd Bowles, Mike Greenberg, they're going to stick to their guns on this. Um, again, unless, unless Todd Bowles signs off on a deal, um, that, that is, that is the key linchpin in this whole thing is Todd Bowles. If Todd it, Bowles sours on Devin White because of this, 
then all bets are off and he very well could be traded. It, it reminds me a little bit of like the Orlando Brown situation in Kansas City where mm-hmm. he got kind of unhappy. He thought there was going to be this big market for him. Yeah. And that just didn't it didn't surface. And right. uh, he didn't end up going anywhere. He played the year out with the Chiefs on that one year deal, which is very yeah. similar to what what White's dealing with. And then he got to the market and, you know, he was expecting to get 23 plus. Right. And he ended up like 16. He wasn't even the highest yeah. paid tackle in free agency this year. So yeah, his deal was actually less than I think what Kansas City offered him the year prior when he held mm-hmm. out on them, which was yeah. tough for him. Yep. So exactly. The invisible hand comes back to, to bite some of these players sometimes. <laughs> it, it does. It will be interesting to see how this all plays out. He's a team captain too, and and mm-hmm. uh, and and not that not the most popular Buccaneer. I mean, he's got his diehard fans, but his play's been so inconsistent that that there are some that that you know have kind of turned on him a little bit. So we'll see, Marcus. We appreciate you joining us. Make sure you follow Marcus on uh, Twitter, and that's TFG. That stands for that franchise guy. Is that correct? Did I get it right? The franchise. Yep, guy? you nailed it. Yep. Yeah, that franchise guy, and that's also on YouTube, uh, which mm-hmm. you're at what um, almost eighty five thousand subscribers. You do yep. some amazing work. I mean, I've watched so many of your videos. Uh, you know, shame on us for not having you on earlier. We hope you can become <laughs> no, a frequent guest. I appreciate that. Thank you because very much. you do yeah. such tremendous work. Yeah. So, Scott, do you mind if I go on a small little diatribe Please. about Marcus real quick? Yes. So I've been following Marcus for about three years now, and I can honestly say between him and John and and the Pewter Report, that's really what got me into draft analysis myself. And uh, it was just really great. I stumbled upon one of his videos. I'm a Madden guy. Marcus kind of got his start doing Madden videos, and he's moved that off to his secondary channel, and he's devoted this primary channel to some really quality football analysis between the actual in-season, he's got a wonderful podcast that comes out weekly. He's got a Patreon where he's got some fantastic behind-the-paywall type stuff. Um, and then he does this uh, incredible draft analysis. He's blown up in the draft world. He just recently had Trevor, a former Pewter reporter on, yeah, along with right. Connor J. Rogers, yep. um, where they did kind of a, a my guys, not my guys list. And, and so, like I said, Marcus has been an inspiration for me, and I was very fortunate enough to get to finally meet him at the Senior Bowl earlier this year. So this is, I'm kind of fanboying myself, but this is huge for me <laughs> yeah. to be able to be on the podcast with him. Uh, Josh, it's, it's good to see you again, dude. It's a, a honor to meet you down there in the Senior Bowl as well. And I'm just going to take that segment and whenever I'm promoting anything, there I'm just you go. Clip it. Let Josh do By it. By all means. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it, guys. Two more no. quick linebacker questions, and then we'll kind of go on to maybe some more pressing needs for the Buccaneers, offensive tackle, edge rusher, uh, slot positions, et cetera. Um, J.C. Allen, one of our Peter reporters, said, you know, Todd Bowles likes speed. And Devin White the fastest linebacker in his draft class. Uh, you know, Owen uh, Papo mm-hmm. is an incredibly fast linebacker from Auburn, a school that Jason Light is – no stranger to having drafted Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean and KJ Britt and other linebacker from what are your thoughts on, on him? And, and uh, you know, it is, he's, he's not the class that Devin white was coming out of LSU. He's not going to be anywhere near the first round, but what round do you see him going? And can you kind of give us a 60 second thumbnail sketch on, on Owen Papo? Yeah, I, I, I had a good feeling either I or you were going to bring that up on this show because uh, he, talk about uh, some of the stuff we said about Trenton Simpson Popo's yeah. kind of down the board a little bit uh, as a very similar mold as an incredible athlete, the straight line speed. Uh, you know, I'm not even fully convinced like he's at the right position just because <laughs> I feel like that could be channeled somewhere else, but mm-hmm. he's, he's um, 
he's a junior plus, so he's played three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I don't have his full like um, you know pedigree as far as how many snaps he's gotten everything in front yeah. of me. But I what I have seen from watching him is just like really doesn't know what he's looking at when he drops into the in his zone and mm-hmm. uh, the the run diagnostics. He can trigger late. He can trigger a little bit too soon and kind of find himself without that discipline against the run. Uh, so like very much in that developmental mold, which I have preached for several years now, like that's where I'm spending my picks at linebacker is yeah. maybe late second, third, fourth, even into the fifth round. Yeah. Give me the athlete, put him in a spot where he doesn't have to start right away. Yeah. He has to earn those reps. He has to learn the game and really convince the coaches that he can have like, like Dre Greenlaw. Maybe that's a good, good example uh, yeah, from San Francisco. Yeah, it's actually unbelievable when you look at maybe the top 20 linebackers in the nfl yeah 16 of them are mid-round picks that weren't immediate starters yeah that have good athleticism and obviously right. papa's got great athleticism yeah but have to learn the mental side of things because i think mm-hmm. you also look at a bunch of first round guys kenneth murray and Devin white and just a bunch yeah. of guys that have gone in the first round that have, were drafted off of freaky freaky athletic tools that just were gifted starting jobs and kind of coasted. They got good tackle numbers. They weren't yeah. going to get pulled out of the lineup because they're, you know, it's, it's a, it's a position where you can produce, but right. production is very different in different yeah. ways at that position. So I, I like the guys like Popo that have to come in and really understand that the position, cause it's with, with the way RPOs are attacking this position and yes. play action, it's arguably like seriously the hardest position in all football to play right now. Yeah. And I, I'm serious about that. Like more than quarterback, more than corner. And some of these, like it is borderline impossible to play this position right now. So you have to have the mental side of things to do this. And and I think the development is just so big for this position. Yeah, I agree. If you'll uh, give us about uh, 30 seconds here, uh, we would be remiss. You talk about difficult decision-making Celsius, the official energy drink of Peter report. Uh, It's so hard to pick which flavor to start your morning with or, in the afternoon for that pick-me-up or when you go to the gym to get the energy that you need. Well, whether it's the new Fantasy Vibe or the Sparkling Orange, which I had this morning, the Sparkling Lemon Lime, folks, Celsius never lets you down. And all you need to do is just give it a try. Go to Celsius.com, click on the store locator, put your address in, and you'll find all of these different convenience stores, health and fitness stores, grocery stores, bodegas, as they say up north. (laughs) And uh, and then grab a can or two, try the flavors that you, you know, the ones that you like, order them on Amazon. They ship them right to your door. Use the subscribe and save. And uh, and they, they're going to save you money. They're going to get you started with the energy that you need every day, whether it's those flavors, the tropical vibe, the Arctic vibe, the peach vibe, or the new coming out soon exclusively to Target, the Oasis vibe, which is sparkling prickly pear and lime. That's a new flavor coming out, folks. Make sure you get your hands on a Celsius today. Okay, so the other linebacker I wanted to ask you about, aside from from Owen uh, Papo, is uh, uh, Calvin Pace from Cincinnati. Now, he's a smaller, undersized guy. We saw that up close at the Senior Bowl, right? 5'9", built like a, like a, a bulldog or a fire plug, whatever. But he does one thing really, really well that Todd Bowles likes to do a lot, and that's blitz. And this guy can get after the quarterback. He's got the sack numbers. Uh, he is a great north-south linebacker, but he does have some size limitations. He's, I think he he ticks the speed box, not as fast as Papo. But what are your thoughts on, on Calvin Pace from Cincinnati? Yeah, I mean, honestly, those two guys are like right kind of in line with each other 
as that kind of, you know, day three pick and, and it's a good year to kind of maybe move on or get ready to move on from white, because a lot of these guys, while it's not a great class, they really check that blitzing box in a big way. So if, if that's the role that you're trying to replace, absolutely. Now I don't ever see him being honestly a, a three down player is, is going to be really an uphill battle for him to reach as a, as opposed to maybe Popo just because of that size. It's just, yeah. it's really hard to take on blocks. Uh, certain teams are going to really scheme at you and, and yeah. force you to play the run. Uh, so he is probably going to be more, um, very much a an acquired taste as a specific role player but in that role man he could he could be very dangerous because he is lightning quick he's yeah. got just a freaking batman's tool belt of different pass rush moves that he'll use to get around guys right uh, and the height kind of plays into his advantage because he's just a tough guy for for running backs to get a hand on so yeah abs absolutely could fill that role well and it really this you mentioned the size limitations only two linebackers, small linebackers, like 5'9", kind of come to mind. I think Zach Thomas from the Dolphins was maybe 5'10". Sam Mills, the great late Sam Mills, you know, 5'9"-ish. Five, five, um, it, mm -hmm. it's, it's tough to be that size and really be a star at the linebacker position in the NFL. Any other linebacker questions for – for uh, Marcus here before we move well, on? Well, linebacker of sorts, linebacker for the Bucks, but I, I'd like to transition our conversation kind of to one of my favorite positions to scout uh, for draft, and that would be edge, right? Yeah. And for the Bucks, that's outside linebacker. Um, the Bucks have actually hosted now four edge rushers, I believe, yep. Scott. We're up to four now on You're top to 30 four. visits recently. So, uh, Marcus, I'd love to get your thoughts on Nolan Smith, uh, Lucas Van Ness, uh, B.J. Ojolari, and then just recently, I think earlier today or yesterday, we uh, we found out that Felix uh, Scott. I'm going to let you say. I, I always butcher his last name. And Udike Uzama. And Udike Uzama. Scott is our resident Kansas State alum, so he's got he's got that name down pat. I do. <laughs> Those four are an interesting list because that that's like the full spectrum of styles between it those is, right? four guys. <laughs> yes. So they clearly are, uh, you know, open to a lot of different options to improve that pass rush, which I, I appreciate, uh, appreciate about the bucks. So a couple of those guys, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say who, but a couple of those guys are smoke screens, but go ahead. Continue. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, and I, I've always appreciated that about the bucks is just how multiple and versatile they can get up front. Mm -hmm. But Nolan Smith definitely would make sense to me as a kind of Shaq Barrett long-term replacement. They're both not the biggest guys. Barrett's probably, what, 12 pounds heavier He's than Nolan Smith? 250, 6'1", 6'1 250-ish, yeah. Yep. yep. But talk about a guy that can you know play that on-ball linebacker, and, and mm -hmm. I'll talk about what he does as a rusher in a second, but he he is a ridiculously good run defender. He given really his is size. for his size, yeah he just uses lateral quickness and just understands how to, yeah. how to get low. And he's instinctive. He knows where the run's going and he uses his speed and quickness to shoot gaps. But a lot of guys can do that. He does it. He's really good at knowing when to do it. A lot of yeah. guys just shoot gaps and they're just, you know, throwing their hands up in the backfield. He, he very, um, not very often was, was he doing that? He, he would take on blocks and, and shed when he needed to as well. So he does that. You can definitely drop him into coverage, loop him on stunts. Like, absolutely do all that stuff and then as a rusher like georgia runs that weird scheme so it's a little bit harder to know everything he's going to bring to the table but he flashed power 
he was breaking out ghost moves in the first week of the season against Oregon, uh, just kind of, you know, using a little deception and some of that awareness to get around guys. He's got the speed. He's got the bend. Uh, as a pass rusher, I think he can be very similar to his, what Hassan Reddick has turned into for the Eagles. So yeah. if he's there at 19, he's got to be one of the top targets for the Bucks, in my opinion. I think that'd be a great landing spot. All right, so uh, this, let, let, let me stop you real quick on, on that because I, I know one of the concerns about Nolan Smith, and I'm not just speaking for myself, you can read into that what you want, Peter people, is the lack of sack production. Right. He was a senior. Now, this past year, the injuries, you know, cut short his his season. I think he missed the last eight games. But having said that, and Georgia does rotate their their linemen, right? I mean, I, I, I watch a ton of Georgia games. My wife Ashley's from Georgia, so I that's that's like the second team I watch after K-State. He did get subbed out a lot. There's a lot of talent at Georgia. They, they got to keep all of the redshirt freshmen and sophomores happy with playing times. So they don't transfer because a lot of these Bulldogs are going to the NFL. Having said all that, though, Marcus, the 11 and a half sacks, it, it's its an alarmingly low number. I think his, his best season was like three and a half sacks. And um, for for a, a team right now that that is looking at Shaq Barrett at age 30, going to be 31, coming off a torn Achilles tendon, and having some real questions about whether he can get back to his level of play from previous years, and Joe Tryon Shoinka stalling out in two seasons at four sacks and not, mm. not having a lot of production at Washington. I wonder if this team's a little gun shy about getting another guy that just hasn't had a eight, 10, 11 sack season. Like some of these guys like Felix, uh, for example, or, or Will McDonald from Iowa state. Yeah. I think that's going to kind of come down to just like what their viewpoint on, on like um, numerical production means for, for a prospect's evaluation. Personally, I'm I'm definitely not worried about that just because of all the things you mentioned about Georgia, especially with that program. I think you can really throw out what the final sack number was. I, I didn't have any problem with some of the other numbers about him as far as total pressures per snap and the, and the pass rush win rate when he did get one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. opportunities. I think that stuff will very much translate for him. And I, yeah, I, I I think with that system we saw it similarly with like Trayvon Walker last year. It was yeah. just it's so weird. They almost like scheme everything up so that the the off ball linebackers are getting sacks with the blitzes yeah. and stuff. A lot of times, the so, Nicobe Deans, the uh, Raquan Smiths, and right. all that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm I'm personally really not worried about the sack production, but some some of these coaches do want to look for that big number. Yeah. How about Ojalari from sticking in the SEC? About about Ojalari, uh, you know, a player that that. Uh, uh, it maybe from a, just a pure sack standpoint, uh, had a better year in 2021 than he did 2022. But uh, your thoughts on him? I really like uh, BJ Ojolari. I, I the way I describe him is is he is the full pass rush textbook mm -hmm. <laughs> on display as far as how many different ways he can win as a rusher. He'll go swim, spin. He has a surprisingly good length and bull rush given you kind of look at him and think he might be a little more of a speed rusher. Yeah. He's got a ghost move. He'll have inside outside counters. He just really likes to try everything. And you don't see that a lot from pass rushers. It's an art form and he appreciates the, the art side of things. Now he is not a great athlete. That's definitely a, a legitimate concern. I think it's causing a lot of the split on him. And the one concern with him is, is while he broke all those pass rush moves out, the efficiency with them 
wasn't always there. He's got right. a great highlight tape. You love to see that he can win in all these different ways, but if he's yeah. not the fastest guy, he's not the biggest guy, he's not the strongest guy or the quickest guy or the longest guy, how consistent is he going to be winning with those rush moves? Right. So I have actually lowered him just a little bit since his workout. Um, I don't know if you guys actually watched his three cone workout, not just uh, looked at the number. But I didn't watch it. No, I heard he was dealing with a like a hamstring injury, something lower body, and and so I kind of throw out because his relative athletic score was under five. I think he's a much better athlete than what that shows. Um, yeah. But I didn't watch the three cone, and, and I think he actually hurt himself by trying to push through the the injury. That's that's something I should probably look into because he looked like you or me out there trying to run the three cone. It was weird. It was like, <laughs> that's not an NFL athlete. So yeah. that's good to know. I'll have to look into that. Um, but I, I do, I do like Ojolari. I'm higher on him. I think he's, he's young. He's 21. If he can just add a little bit more uh, twitchiness, you know, mm -hmm. with, with an NFL weight program and, and some guys just haven't um, reached their physical upside yet at that yeah. age, I think there's a little bit more upside in there, but at the end mm -hmm. of the day, I think he's going to be a really good number two rusher. I don't see him becoming a yeah. alpha guy, but as a late first, early second round, you, yeah, you, I will you have him on your board at, uh, at 35, right? Uh, the, the top see. 50 yeah, you released your top 50 one? this morning, right? I, uh, yesterday. Yep. Yep. He's yeah. at 35 for me yeah. with a, a one to two grade. Okay. Yeah. Now, and folks, yeah. folks, I highly encourage you to, uh, and we've got his Twitter handle there. We got Marcus's Twitter handle at TFG underscore football, and you pinned your top 50 board on your Twitter page. So make sure that you not only go to that franchise guy and subscribe to Marcus's YouTube channel, but that you go to Twitter and look at that big board and also give him a follow at TFG underscore football. Now, and, Marcus, um, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, just to keep this on the, on the Buccaneer theme here, we know that Jason Light likes LSU guys, right? He helped draft Kevin Minter in Arizona. Obviously, Devin White, Kendall Beckwith, a couple of linebackers mm -hmm. in, uh, from LSU in Tampa Bay. And then Andre Anthony, a seventh-round edge rusher last year. So no stranger to the Tigers uh, is Jason Light and, and also Todd Bowles. And with Lucas Van Ness, kind of the same thing. That was going to be the um, next guy I wanted to talk Tristan about. Tristan Wirfs, Anthony Nelson. Anthony Nelson. So, you know, Iowa Hawkeye, here we come with, with Lucas yeah. Van Ness. First of all, do you see Van Ness maybe even being there at number 19? I don't. I really I don't. don't. Either. Yeah. Um, he's he's phenomenal, man. Every time he's on the field, he's just, he's just a freight train. And, you know, I love him coming from a wide alignment especially. Uh, so I don't know if that's necessarily the best fit as an edge. Yeah. For Bucks. I think I'm more of like Houston now with D'Amico Ryan's or or San Francisco still the Jets like just coming from a wide alignment and just collapsing that pocket. Mm -hmm. He'd probably be more of that four I five tech. Um, it's a little bit harder for me to picture him in Tampa Bay, and yeah. I, I liked him from that spot, but he wasn't quite as dangerous without that extra runway to just really lean into that bull rush. So kind of reminds me a little bit, and this is back in the day. I'm kind of dating myself here. I'm probably the oldest guy in the room, but uh, Justin <laughs> Smith, the old defensive end out of Missouri played with the 49ers mm -hmm. for many years, you know, just that freight train kind of, you know, hell on wheels type of, of pass rush, you know, and, and, and I, he's been criticized. Lucas Van Ness been, been criticized as being a one trick pony with the bull rush. Okay. Well, he's mastered that. Yeah. I mean, look, when this guy gets more moves, look out, right? Right. 
It, it's interesting that you brought up, you know, that, that he may be better from different alignments and maybe not good for the Bucks. I tend to adjust my my board a little bit for what the Bucks may be looking for. So I'm a little bit lower on Van Ness just because I work for a publication that you know is dedicated to the Bucks. So for right. me, he's my edge seven. And one of the things that I noted when I was watching him and something he would need to do as an edge for the Bucks is I didn't think that he played very well from a two-point stance as opposed to putting his hand in the dirt. And that was something, it seemed like he had a bit of a false step. His get-off was a little bit slower from that. And that's something that concerns me as potentially a Bucks target um, in, in their outside linebacker room. Is that something that you saw as well? I, I did see that. And that's, I love that you brought that up because people love to debate like, Oh, this guy's not a, you know, outside linebacker put his hand in the dirt. Like they love to debate the, the size and the idea that a big guy can't be a stand up edge. No, it's really just about how comfortable is a guy generating that get off um, either with a hand in the dirt from a two point stance, or can they do both? And some yeah. guys just, some guys just aren't as comfortable. And I think Van Ness really, um, is kind of, he can kind of spring, you know, uh, get that spring out of the three point stance that generates a lot of that get off. So I, I would agree there. And, you know, maybe that's something he could develop in time, but I'm, I'm with you on that, Josh. Yeah. Well, the Buccaneers don't have any Kansas State Wildcats. The last one they had, eh, not too great. Josh Freeman, quarterback oh, back, in, back in the day. <laughs> and no, I did not campaign for Josh Freeman, folks. Throwing strays out, Scott. Yeah. Um, but Felix Sanudike is somebody that I can get behind. Uh, watched him, you know, every, every snap of his the last couple of years. And I can see why the Buccaneers not only had a formal interview with him at the Combine, they're bringing him in tomorrow for a top 30 visit. They, they're also bringing in, I believe, next week, Julius Brents, his teammate at Kansas State, who is a six foot three, 195 pound with pterodactyl arms, a Todd Bowles type corner, like an outside press man. Actually plays really well in zone too. But let, let's talk about Felix Anadike Ozama, who out of the guys we mentioned, I mean, if Nolan Smith's there at 19, that might might be an option. You and I, I think all of us agree, Lucas Van Ness, the upside, the athletic ability, what he did at the combine really kept him probably top 15. Um B.J. Ojolari, he I don't know if he's first round caliber in, in the Bucks size. The range doesn't really sync up uh, right. for the Bucks. Exactly. That's kind of what you're saying. But yeah. exactly. But at 50, Felix Anodike Ozama mm -hmm. might be there. And he might be the more likely of all of these guys. What what are you, your thoughts on on Felix looking at your board and just yeah. how you have it stacked up real quick? You've got uh Will Anderson, obviously number two. That that's gonna be kind of a consensus thing there. Uh Tyree Wilson at 14. That certainly, you know, marries up with the top 15 consensus. Uh, you've got Nolan Smith at 18. We've talked about him, B.J. Ojolari at 35. You've got Miles Murphy at 32 ahead of, the, of him at uh, from Clemson. Um, mm -hmm. Will McDonald, who Josh and I both love, at 38. Mm -hmm. And Derek Hall at 41 from another Auburn, guy. another player. Yeah, another <laughs> guy we, we love. The Buccaneers have had a formal interview with. And you've got Felix Enodike Ozama at 45. So if the Buccaneers draft him at 50, that's if he's there, that, mm -hmm. that's going to be pretty spot on good value. I love that fit, honestly. The way he wins, not to compare everybody to a Bucks player, but the way he wins is so similar to Shaq with the strong hands, just the yeah. kind of lateral um, ability to kind of manipulate guys with both strength and quickness. Very, very similar styles of play. And like you said, the value is is kind of perfect there. So that would be that would be kind of like almost the best case scenario if you don't go edge round one. 
that the thing too that that you know they graded me a little bit and I understand why they did it because I, I know the program and really the same thing holds true for for Will McDonald too at Iowa State. These are pure three, four outside linebacker edge rushers mm-hmm. that actually play. I know where you're three, going with this. <laughs> three, four defensive end, like down lineman, hand in the dirt, you know, two point, four points, or I should say three point or four point stance sometimes. Um, lining up four eye, head up on the offensive tackle, right? And not not playing on the edge nearly as much. Imagine the sack production that these guys could have been and should have had had they been pure stand up you know i know i hate it wide seven <laughs> wide nine remember, go get them right if i remember correctly they were doing that with will mcdonald still at the senior bowl they were still lining yeah. him up oh as my a God. Four. <laughs> <laughs> well and I, I asked felix at uh at the combine he gave a great quote and i'm paraphrasing here but i said i said you know i watched you play there and and you you played with your hand in the dirt so much that imagine if you went to a three, four team, what you could do. He's like, that's, that's like discovering gold for me. That mm-hmm. that's, that's like me finding a pot of gold because that that's, that's what he's best at doing. And I don't think Kansas yeah. state showed that. And yet he was the big 12 defensive player of the year. Oh, and the big 12 defensive player of the year before was Will McDonald. So it's like, if the yeah. bucks could get either one of these guys, they, they would, they would be, um, you know, absolute, I think, gold prospects for the Buccaneers to either replace yeah. Shaq Barrett in time or, or to ensure themselves that J, JTS does not rise to that first round caliber player. I totally agree. I got one more edge for you, Marcus. And then I'd like to transition to another position that a lot of Bucks fans are very interested in because there's a giant glaring hole on their roster right now at that position. Yeah. But before mm-hmm. we get to offensive tackle, because it looks like there are going to be some in play at 19, uh, and a good chance that the Bucks might take one one of those guys. Uh, one last edge uh, rusher is um, Derek Hall. Do you have any thoughts on him? Yeah, I, he's kind of the build that I love because he's not super tall. He's I think just at six three. Yeah, but it was actually you, Josh. I think pointed out to me we were sitting down watching him, and you pointed out his arm length. It's what has he got? Thirty five. 34 and uh, a half? It's, yeah, it's up there. Hold on, I think I can pull it. Uh, 34 and a half. So that is just natural, easy leverage. And they're not yeah. lanky arms. They're, no. I mean, you're showing the picture right there. Yeah. Those are arms. He is not <laughs> um, allergic to the weight room. Right. This guy, so, this, this guy does not mind lifting a weight or two. No. Yep. So the, the basically ease of him to access a bull rush is a very good starting point for him. He's going to be able to just get his hands inside, drive guys backwards. And I think there's actually a lot more room to improve with that. I thought the flashes and it was more than flashes. It was just, he was a good bull rusher, but I think he can be a great one with just um, better hand usage, uh, more consistent first step. And that's going to be how he wins at the next level. But he's got some good like lateral quickness. He's got some swipe moves. The one thing with him is he's he's a he might be the tightest. Yeah, I was going to say the natural bend, rusher. right? When you look at yes, guys like 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 Felix and Will and Nolan Smith and Will Anderson and BJ Ojolari, they just yeah. bend better, don't they? Yep, absolutely. So he's he's another guy that is probably never going to be a one, but could totally be a, a number two. Yeah. 
I'm so glad you said that because the very first note I have on him is natural leverage. And then when I put the things that I worry about, one of the very first things I put was tight hips, change of direction. So glad we kind of see that yeah. the same. Uh, so we will transition to, to the next uh, uh, position. Yeah. So, as, a matter, as a matter of fact, uh, Marcus, you know, this is the graphic right here. It's Buck's draft preferences, right? And and there's a couple of offensive tackles they're looking at, and, and which which one do they prefer, right? And and we don't know because they interviewed a, uh, several offensive tackles at the the NFL scouting combine. Uh, Harrison, uh, no, uh, Anton Harrison from Oklahoma was one of them, mm-hmm. and he's left tackle. And you got Darnell Wright, who is a right tackle at, at Tennessee. And just to catch up to speed real quick, this team is not opposed to moving Tristan Wirfs from right tackle to left tackle if necessary. Uh, why would you doubt this guy? He can jump out of a pool standing yeah. up, and he's 6'5", six, six, 345 pounds, it, just an incredible athlete. And, and some fans have said, you know, why would you want to ruin a good thing? And you know, he's an all-pro at the right side. Why would you want to risk it? Hey, I'm not going to bet against his athleticism. Like mm-hmm. Tristan Wirfs would have to show me he couldn't do it before I would say he couldn't do it, right? Just careful yep. what you say about Darnell Wright not being a left tackle. Well, yeah, been fair just, point. Just he he played a whole season. He played his whole junior season at left tackle, but he He'll graded out better. If he hears right this. Tackle. Yeah, he will slide into your DMs. <laughs> I know. I <laughs> oh, did that man. show yesterday. So, so <laughs> I, let, let, let me ask you. I, in looking at your board, you, you're very, very fr- favorable on uh, Darnell Wright. You've got him. Uh, so you've got him as your 31st overall prospect. And you've got so, Dewan Jones ahead of him at 29, but I don't see Anton Harrison there. Yeah, Harrison didn't quite crack the uh, top 50 for me. Now, the board, I, I should point out, is independent of positional value. So I definitely okay. think he's worth a top 50 pick. I've got Harrison as well with a actually a late one, early two kind of uh, projection as far as the value on it. So just a little context on that. Um, but... I think Harrison at 19 is the absolute earliest I could get behind it. Okay. I don't think he's a bad player. I don't, I I don't really have any serious hesitations with him. He's the one thing that I really like about him is the hand usage. He's just uh, accurate as all hell with his Mm -hmm. hands. He's, he can land his, his, what has he got? 30, yeah, 34 inch arms, which is above average. Can land it on the outside shoulder, use him to cut off inside moves or at least to help him there. Um, but he's not a remarkable athlete. He's a a good athlete. He's not the strongest guy in the world. He's just, you know, he's just very above average as far as the physical tools go. Nothing truly special. And then he has to me, a couple weaknesses, which would be the feet, uh, Mm -hmm. in pass protection. He, He doesn't cut off inside moves. He doesn't step inside. I don't think he gets quite as much depth in that kick slide as he can. Mm -hmm. And that's very coachable. Yeah. But again, you know, we're talking very early in the draft here. So well, you, you mentioned the strength of that stuff. My biggest pet peeve, and I like him as a prospect, but the biggest pet peeve I have with him is, is it takes him a little too long to set that anchor. And he, mm-hmm. and he, he allows the, the edge rushers in college and he's gone up against some good ones, right? I mean, Felix Anadike Ozama, I think got the only sack on him last year, but but he, he allows that, that edge rusher to get a little too close to the quarterback before he, puts the brakes on and stops him. And I don't know if that is lack of technique or lack of strength or both, but it's something that Donovan Smith did. It was, it was probably my biggest mm. pet peeve of Smith was 
it was just a little bit too close. And, and when you look at the at the opposite side of that line, Tristan Wirfs, it's like as soon as the guy gets his hands on Wirfs, Wirfs has his hands on you, and it's over. It's over yep. right now, you know. Yep. And and uh, the right side of the pocket was always cleaner than the left. And so I, I just see a little bit of, of that Donovan Smith similarity in Anton Harrison. Yeah, I could see that. And and I think it is that is mostly about just his foot technique and responding to when he's getting that bull rush and to reset. So I do think it's coachable. He's uh, yeah, he's a true junior. So like still very much growing. Yeah. So I could see it um, now, as far as like I, what I would prefer I just say, um, if I was a Bucks fan. Is that what you were going to ask me? Oh, I was just going to kind of to finish up because I think we talked about a lot of the limitations with Harrison, but I, I did want to kind of go over some of the things that are more pros for him. I thought that he dictated the point of attack in the run game very well. Yeah. And the I way that he could block. get, yeah, the way that he can get to the edge on like outside zone runs, which the Bucks are going to be transitioning more to that mm-hmm. this year, as well as in the screen game. I thought that those were two big pluses for him. I know he's not the greatest athlete in the world, but the way that um, the way that they used his athleticism and the way that that could potentially translate into the Bucks' new offense, I think that those two mesh very well. Did you see that on on the tape as well? I did. Yeah, I, and I think it's he's just so confident with his hands. So when he's in mm-hmm. space, he's going to get he's going to land them inside. He's going to strike you, and you're going to feel that early and he's good at sustaining those blocks too so i i, I do like him as a, as a run blocker as well but just like mm-hmm. i think he's going to be an nfl good run blocker not a phenomenal one because he's not mm-hmm. the most powerful guy gotcha. in the world he's not the most yeah. insane athlete off the ball well speaking of powerful guys <laughs> starting out right kid um the, mm-hmm. the right tackle for tennessee i'm going to call him a right tackle josh until the bucks tell me he's he's a left tackle <laughs> but um but you know the, the thing is 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 uh you know played in a very kind of pass heavy system at, at Tennessee uh, same system mm-hmm. we saw down here in Florida at UCF with Josh Heupel and um, very, very good pass protector uh, gave Will Anderson fits in that game I also the reps against BJ Ojolari and when he played LSU very very good uh, against Ojolari as well um, you know I, I I like the thought of if the Buccaneers draft this guy, they have a guy that can play left or right tackle. I mean, he played an entire year, his junior season at left tackle. And, um, and I don't know if they, if they view him as a left tackle or right tackle, but he showed he can play either position in the SEC. I just thought that his tape last year at right tackle was better. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'd, you'd like to think between him and Worfs, one of them, would be able to figure it out. So I, right. I think that that would make sense. Yeah. Uh, I, I would just like, I'm pretty sure he was not nearly as good when he played left. Correct. Um, but if and he, he was, he was a junior, right? I mean, maybe right. if he played last year, you know, as, as an, you know, if he stayed at left tackle for his senior season, he might have been better, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, um, uh, oh, I lost my train of thought on what, where I was going with. <laughs> Um, he had started to say between the two of them, one can figure out left tackle. Yeah. Yeah. One can figure out left. One can figure out right. Um, oh, I was going to say if, uh, if he says he can play left, then I would take his word for it because like back when I, I played offensive line, like I personally, it just, the, the left, right thing, it didn't work for me. I had to be on the right side and I would, you know, if I had the balls at that age, to tell my coach that I don't want to play left, I would have. 
if he's like, yes, I can play left. I'm comfortable there. I've gotten better. My, my technique, like, I think that's part of the interviews and kind of what the inner team projection is going to be there. Um, so I, I think value wise, it, it makes sense. I think scheme wise, it makes sense. He's a mauler in the run game. Uh, the thought of him and Tristan Wirfs on opposite sides, yeah. put the fear of God in defensive linemen, <laughs> uh, still, still some stuff for him to improve as far as his footwork and in pass protection. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think that that would be a really good fit as well. Yeah. Um, when it comes to a, a couple of players, the bucks have shown some interest in. Um, that that Josh and I both like. I, I think we have uh, kind of see both these guys the same way now after having some discussions. Um, there, there are two, uh, you know, different players in terms of, of what they can do, what they can't do, but they're making a very similar transition. And we saw both of them at the Senior Bowl. And one of them is uh, Adetomiwa Adebowale from Northwestern. Nice. I nailed it, didn't I? Yeah, you did. I, I, I know. I, I'm proud of myself for doing that. Um, we call him Double A. I'm only going to try it once. So Double A, <laughs> Double A from Northwestern. Um, you know, was a defensive end. What six two two eighty five ish, ridiculously fast. And he's going to be moving more to the the inside in the NFL. He's kind of a classic one gap penetrating three four, mm -hmm. or I should say three technique defensive tackle based on his size. I'm not exactly sure where he fits in to a 3-4 Todd Bowles-type defense. The Bucs did bring him in for a top 30 visit. Um, mm -hmm. They do want to get faster on the defense. He certainly helps them out in that category. They have Vita Vea at one defensive lineman spot. They've got Logan Hall last year's second-round pick uh, as another defensive line starter. They just have signed Greg Gaines, who's kind of a backup, could be a starter. But Will Golston's still out there. Akeem Hicks is still out there. I wouldn't rule the Bucks drafting. You guys still uh, have William Golston. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, well, I think, uh, kind wow. of. He's he's a free agent right now, but we wouldn't yeah. put it past the Bucks to to bring him back for another season. Correct. Gotcha. I, I think that's gotcha. going to happen. But Marcus, um, I wouldn't rule him out playing edge rusher, only because I I look at at. And you mentioned it before with Shaq Barrett. Shaq Barrett's 251 pounds. Okay. Um, now, the thing with AA is he's rocked up. Uh, there, there's no, you know, asking him to drop 10 pounds of what? 10 pounds of muscle? You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> and, and why would you? He runs a 449, right. which is faster than what Shaq Barrett ran. He's more yeah. athletic. Um, you know, they have a 275 pound rusher. Granted, he's six foot seven and Anthony Nelson. I, I just think that, that, why couldn't he play outside linebacker in, in a tied bowl scheme? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a fair question. I would say like the counter argument to that would be like, okay, but why wasn't he more productive at Northwestern playing edge? Cause that's really good, where they used point. him now. Yeah. Now they, they did slide him inside and, and just kind of had him be that tweener, which I, I like him in that role. He's a nasty run defender from, from the, from a five tag. Yeah. Yeah. Don't know how well he's going to hold up on the inside. I think he can be okay. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, we've never really seen a prospect like him from an athletic standpoint. So I like you begging the question. I would, my only counterpoint to that would be just like, um, you know, why wasn't he more dominant there in right. his time at, at Northwestern? Yeah. And I think, and, then, context, well, and, and I was just, just going to ask you okay. too, what about his transition? 
I'm just generally speaking, mm-hmm. as a prospect, what about his transition to, you know, to defensive tackle? Um, because you know that, that that's kind of a tough projection to to make, and he did play that at the Senior Bowl, which was a good showcase for him. But mm-hmm. but how how do you think after spending all those, that time mostly on the edge, he did play inside some, but but how do you think he transitions to to the inside? I'm pretty optimistic about it. Uh, you know, am I first round optimistic? You know, maybe in the last couple of picks, but like the one thing I love about him, and I'm just a sucker for a good cross chop move. <laughs> <laughs> he won with multiple cross chops at the senior bowl. Yeah. And just to explain that briefly for anyone that doesn't know what I'm talking about, this is about as advanced of a pass rush move as it gets because it requires um, speed, length, power and quickness and it also requires difficult technique because you're you're taking your your um far side arm yeah and you're going to basically swim to the other side which requires quickness and length and finesse and then you need the core strength and arm strength to so you've done this right and then you're going to use that core strength and the arm strength while you're kind of off balance so it just requires contact balance, core strength to shove them to the side. And then you're going to take this, this free hand that's just hanging here. Well, you've already kind of won and you're going to club, you know, crossing the other way. Yeah. So you're just completely working that core strength, working the speed, the strength all in tandem. And it's, I mean, that's why Aaron Donald is arguably the best yeah. defensive yeah. player of all time. Like seriously, is the cross yeah. job. Yeah. And he's got Marcus had a great tweet earlier today. It was a still frame of Adeboware uh, mm-hmm. where he uh, he kind of talking about his his combine where he outperformed or equally performed Trayvon Walker from last last year who went number one overall to the Jaguars right. and basically went number one overall because nobody had really ever seen anybody at 275 or something like that be able to move as quick and as nimbly as he did. Right. Adebowari was matching him drill for drill, 10 pounds heavier. Yeah. Marcus put out this tweet. It was a still frame. And he's like, can you identify the guy who has that athleticism? And you see Adebowari already over the, the line of scrimmage while literally every other person in the box still hadn't moved yet. Yeah. And it was just a really great little still. Uh, it was really fun to watch. But Oh, and by the um, way, the, the sack production was just about the same. If not, maybe AA had more <laughs> sacks than Trayvon Walker did at Georgia. Yeah. So then yeah. transitioning to somebody else who's going to be making a big jump, Adebowari played defensive end and would kick into three technique for Northwestern. Carl Brooks never got that opportunity. <laughs> he mm. was... He was used as an edge at 300 pounds, and it's yeah. beyond me <laughs> that, that, that he was able to do that and yeah. had quite a bit of production for Bowling Almost Green. 30 career sacks. Yep. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? That's yeah, like, yeah. kind of what uh, that staff was saying. I want to yeah. say he broke his dad's sack production at Bowling Green, or he was like within one or two, and his oh, dad's wow. like a legend there. Um, mm. But he doesn't have really any experience on the inside. He's going to have to make that. Really? I mean, yeah, that, that was it. That is true. Yep. Um, he's going to have to make that transition because I just don't see him playing edge at 300 pounds in the NFL. No. What'd you think of Carl Brooks? Yeah. So I, I actually just got to him this morning. Um, non, non combine invite. So he was just a little bit later on my, my yeah. watch list. Uh, I, 
I like him um, as a sixth round prospect. <laughs> like he says with trepidation. <laughs> yeah, I think it just kind of depends on where. And I honestly, I don't even really know like where like the mock draftables have them going at, at this point in time. But I I can see why you guys are fascinated with him as a Bucks potential like you know day three pick because he totally fits the idea of what they've done with a lot of these guys yeah. where you can slide him inside. He's got that. He's got he's you know loaded in his lower half. He's a disruptive player with a good first step. I mean the, the production well, twitch to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, he's and, got and he, lateral and, quickness. Even at the so, senior bowl, I mean, he was he was used swim move. I mean, he he could mm-hmm. penetrate that line. He was winning some one on ones. Yeah, not not a bad showing for a guy from Bowling Green going up against Power Five competition. Oh, and making a position change too, for sure. So I I see him as a definitely a rotational piece that you can put in and just be a disruptive guy. Maybe give him fifteen snaps a game and just kind of let him loose. Now, like he's they rave about his off field apparently and just a great dude. And like, maybe he can continue to get better uh, weight wise and, and put on a little bit of more play strength. Cause he, he defended the run well from the edge. It's just a complete projection as far yeah. as what his early down play is going to look like at the next level. So it's just, that's the kind of thing that teams aren't going to spend a high draft pick yeah. on when you don't know he's not this incredible athlete he's got really yeah, he, i was gonna say that, that that's really what it comes down to right he doesn't have that safety net that adabawari does whereas you know at, at the end of the day at least you're getting one hell of an athlete right yeah you know th- that's not the case with brooks he's not nearly anywhere close to the athleticism adabawari has yep so i, so I can see him rf hassan, a for you i was just gonna say rf hassan who does a consensus industry big board and i believe last year he had your your rankings as a part of oh, his yeah. big board right yeah i and love it is he doing it this i've year? been on there, there for the last i think i've been on that three years in a row now so mm-hmm. nice love a yeah. so he's got carl minnesota with a consensus 125 rank as the seventh really? best interior defensive lineman yeah yeah wow i i think okay. this is marcus i think this is going to be one of those beauties in the eye of the beholder drafts this year right we're going to see it in the first round we're going to see players that that um it's just for whatever reason, the talent this year, there's just not a lot of consensus on a lot of these guys. And it's it varies from mock to mock. It's gonna vary from team to team, isn't it? Yeah, a hundred percent. It's you got the now with the whole like super, super senior thing, a lot of these guys, um, you know, they just they got that extra year, another year to develop, and it's just you're gonna, especially when you get into the fifth, sixth, seventh round, a lot of these guys are more developed players than you're used to seeing down there yeah so i think that just makes the overall pool a little bit bigger and yeah it's it's the top of the draft especially it just doesn't have the top power Um, right i was looking at my 2021 draft board when i put out uh the this year's top 50 and i was like my god that that year's top talent was so much better (laughs) it's it's crazy so i think that adds especially you know in that um back end of the first round into the second round you're going to yeah. see a lot of variation all right so uh as, as we wrap up we really appreciate your time this has been fascinating this time has flown by we'd love to have you on after the draft to kind of talk about some of these bucks draft prospects after they make them uh, draft picks um find us an angry runner the buccaneers want a day three angry runner okay that's that, that's a uh, a position that when you look at the depth chart right now, you've got Rashad White. They're going to give him the third-round pick of last year, uh, the, the top shot at replacing Leonard Fournette. 
Um, they like to to rotate their backs, and and it's not going to be just the bell cow back. Um, Keyshawn Vaughn, another third round pick, is in a contract year. They like him. They want to see if he can kind of win that number two job. They've also got. Uh, I hated that pick. Yeah, I, me too. <laughs> I didn't have a draftable grade on Vaughn. Oh yeah, yeah. Trust me, we're we're thinking along the same lines there. No offense, to me, but but uh, as far as a pick, yeah, that was not a good one. Um, but Chase Edmonds, they signed him former Cardinal and Dolphin running back. He's going to be competing for a depth spot, but with Keyshawn Vaughn and Chase Edmonds not under contract next year, they wanted to fill out that number four running back spot with a draft pick this year, probably on day three. If you look at at the the backs that Seattle had back in the day, sure, they drafted Brashad Mm -hmm. Penny in the first round, but a lot of the guys that that Dave Canales, the new offensive coordinator, had success with, right? Thomas Rawls, undrafted yeah, free Rawls agent. Is who I was trying to think of. Yeah, Chris Carlson, uh, Chris Carson, uh, yeah. seventh round pick out of Oklahoma State. You know, those are the guys, those grinders, those angry runners that thrived in that Seattle offense. So I've got a guy in my mind that, you know, I'm thinking a lot of it. We talked about the Bucks' needs, right? We didn't get to slot corner or slot safety, but slot corner, slot safety. Offensive tackle, outside linebacker, maybe inside linebacker. But <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, if, if they're going to spend a day three pick on a running back for the, the Buccaneers, uh, who fits that mold in your eyes? Well, a popular pick is going to be Dwayne McBride. I'm not going to yep. go that route, but I, I do want to throw that name out if he starts to fall. I've I like a third round grade. I've got a yep. third round grade on him now, so I don't know if yep. he's going to be there. Uh, he's an angry runner. There's no doubt about that. You guys have taken a, a golden gopher. Yeah, I was going to say, Mohamed Ibrahim, that's the guy. That's who I was thinking about. That's yeah. the guy, man. That's <laughs> yeah. my dude. He's Yep, I love him. I was very surprised how short he is. Uh, yes, I got to me see too. him up close and personal at the Shrine. Yeah. And I was like, that's Mohamed Ibrahim? Yes. Um, but, dude, he is the classic bowling ball of needles, breaks yep. the first tackle, just kind of stumbles, not stumbles, just rolls through the O-line. and Rumbling, bumbling, stumbling. Yeah. Right? I mean, he's, um, yeah, bowling ball. Biggest, he is Thomas Rawls in a nutshell. Yeah. Like yeah. So that's your dude. There's not a ton of those guys that I've watched yet yeah. in this I want. I've done it. I want to throw one at you, Marcus, see what you think about this. All right. And I'm going to start with the guy I comped him to earlier today, much to Scott's chagrin. All right. Okay. So last year, Damian Pierce, who's 5'10", 218, ran a 4.59.40 and a 1.51 10-yard split. Okay. And had 45% of his, uh, or had 45% of his carries where he had a force miss tackle. Right. Yep. This guy, six foot, two nineteen, ran his forty in four point five eight seconds with a one five two ten yard split, and basically broke college football with a forty eight percent forced missed tackle rate this past season. I see a lot of Damian Pierce in Roshan. Roshan Johnson. Johnson. Yep. Yeah. That's like- <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was it. As soon as I hit that force miss tackle rate, he kind of jumps off the page to everybody. Yeah. I yep. love Roshan. Um, I think you had him in your. T- uh, you did your top ten running backs. I think you had him right at ten. You bookended yep. the the video yep. with Texas, with Texas guys. guys. I haven't gotten fully through running backs, but I fell in love with him. I was in love with Pierce last year, so he's currently my RB two. I even have him ahead of Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama. Wow. But I was wondering what what your thoughts were on Roshan. Do you think he's really kind of that mean, angry runner that maybe the Bucks might be looking for that they could find? Because they don't have a fourth round pick, so this would be fifth, sixth, seventh round that they would have to try and find him. Yeah, that's the reason I didn't go with him. 
is because I was I was trying to think more late late yeah. in the draft. I I do think he's going to go around that kind of compensatory pick range, gotcha. kind of late three, early four. Yeah, and the Bucks but don't I, have I a fourth round pick. You know, yeah. So it might be tough to get your hands on him, but he would absolutely be a dream fit if he was there in the fifth or something. Yeah, gotcha. yeah and exactly. I'm I'm very. He, we talk, you talk about my guys all the time, right? That's one of your favorite things to do. Yeah. I, he is definitely one of them. Right. I, I love it, man. He would have been, if he, if he was behind or outside of the shadow of, of Bijan, he would yep. have yep. been one of the more productive backs in college football. We're probably talking about him. Um, well, by the way, Zach Charbonnet fits this mold too, but he's probably yeah, long true. gone. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're probably talking about him like we are with Ooh, Zach they, Charbonnet. Who's, who's that game against good. LSU, man. <laughs> that, that was For like Marshawn. Yeah. Yeah, from yeah. two years ago, that, that would that's like Marshawn Lynch going up against the Saints, right? Just that, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's just yep. shoving aside Tigers like nobody's business so fun. in that game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, listen, this has been fun. We really have appreciated you coming on board. Can't wait to have you back after the draft if you'll if you'll come Absolutely. on. Um, Marcus Whitman, that franchise guy on YouTube, folks. If you're into the draft, if you're into the Buccaneers, you got to go check out this guy's videos. He does a superb job. Film breakdowns galore. Um, I'm just warning you right now. There's so much content there. You got to warn the girlfriend or the wife or the significant <laughs> other. You got to warn the kids. Daddy's going away for a couple hours to so watch YouTube. Uh, but it's well worth it. It's He'll get you up to speed on the draft. Uh, tons of prospects, tons of positional previews. Um, and make sure that you are looking at his top 50 board, which just came out, and that you give him a follow on at TFG underscore football on Twitter. Marcus, we greatly appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. Thank you Thanks, so much man. for having me, guys, and and for the amazing uh, uh, pump up promos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we, we thoroughly enjoyed this. Hour went by super fast, and yeah. uh, hang tight, Bucks fans. We're going to be talking more Devin White news in just a second here, uh, as we we tell Marcus goodbye. Um, Devin White, folks, boy, this is some big news today. We had uh, you know about what almost two hours ago now. Uh, Devin White asked for a trade. We have a couple super chats we want to get to. We we did want to give our our guest uh, his a lot of time, but uh, we're gonna we're going overtime here on this podcast today just to talk a little bit more about Devin White and to get some of the super chats. And um, super chats we usually get right to the to the top of the board, and uh, um, and and that that is the case. These super chats though were primarily about. Devin White. And so we want to get those here. Come on, Light, do it. Trade for picks and get that cap room. I love 45, but he's not close to a $100 million linebacker right now. Turn the page. We finally have an out. Josh, your reaction to that? Let me ask you this. You've, you've gone on record. Yep. Um, and it's, it's nothing personal. You just, you're, you're evaluating 45. It's not Devin White. It's the player. It's the guy wearing the 45 jersey on the field. Yep. When you see him play, and you see the plays that he makes and the plays that he doesn't make. And you do that cost value analysis. You've not been a fan. Matter of fact, one of your first articles, if my memory serves, <laughs> for Peter Report was, uh, we talked about it. You're like, how he should have gotten his fifth year option. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and and I told you, I'm like, uh, I'm literally going to be writing a story because I got the scoop that they're going to be giving his yep. fifth year option. But write it anyways, because- yep. We're all about differing opinions and, and viewpoints. Uh, I'm not going to stifle anybody to say, don't write your opinion. 
Right. Um, but just don't write it as like, this is going to be fact because I'm literally got the scoop that he's going to be getting the fifth year option, which he did. But uh, it doesn't mean that the Buccaneers always do the right things. There's plenty of draft picks, Josh, that this team makes that, you know, we don't agree with, but um, you know, that that's a column for another day, but your thoughts on, on Teddy's uh, super chatter. And thank you, Teddy, for the $5 super chat. Yeah. So um, as far as what Teddy said, the thing is there's a lot of context. The linebacker position itself tends to be more of a devalued position in terms of yeah. where a player should be taken in the draft, um, especially because a lot of research has shown like linebackers really don't kind of come into their own until like year six. So right. taking one top five like Tevin was maybe wasn't the greatest decision to begin with. And now it's compounded because Jason Light knew when he drafted him that this was what was coming with with White. He established it in the pre-draft process that he was hunting for a hundred million dollar contract four years ago, right? Yeah. Um, do I think that the highest end linebackers deserve $20 million a year? Yeah. Yeah, I really do. Fred Warner's of the world, Levante in his prime, I think would have would have earned that in today's yeah. dollars. Derek Brooks, a way more consistent linebacker. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> you know. Do I think Devin White is that consistent guy who shows up in coverage, which is the one yeah. skill that I think sets those guys apart? Yeah. No, I really don't. Um, and you know what, and, Josh? And, it, 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 you know, stats are what they are, right? But Devin White, who has the ability to make these plays, he's got the yep. speed and all of that. He's got, um, in the regular season, one career interception. And he has two in the postseason, one against the Saints, which was a huge play, and then one at the end of the Super Bowl, which kept the, the Chiefs out of the end zone. Yeah. So in the regular season, in four years, he's got one interception, you know, and 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 I think that speaks to the lack of plays that he can make in coverage. Yep. Now, with that said, I'm going to throw this out there. If the Bucs and, are. And thank you, Tuan Blow, for the um, for the uh, super chat as well. Thank you. Yep. And I saw a little bit earlier and I'll kind of talk about it. If Devin White holds out, he won't hold out for the entire season, because if he doesn't play this year due to a holdout, his contract tolls and basically the following year, he has to play under that same fifth year option. So he yeah. doesn't become a free agent just by holding out. It, right. it just basically resets. Um, yeah. But the one thing I will say is if the Bucks are adamant that they're not going to trade White, right? then they, they're going to have to get a, a contract done with him. And it would be better for them to give him the big contract this year rather right. than next year. Yeah, They can actually lower their salary cap hit for this year with, by extending him. And what they would effectively be doing is starting that new contract one year earlier, which means they can get out of it one year earlier, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of giving a $11.7 million guaranteed this year, then $100 million, of which probably 50 is going to be guaranteed, yeah. you can roll that 11 kind of into the $100, $105 million contract, and it kind of lessens the blow by one year. Right now, I want to be crystal clear. Out of all of these scenarios, I would be for the Bucks trying to get what they can in in, in a trade, right? Yeah. Um, but if they're going to give him the contract, it's actually, in my opinion, better for them to do it now and roll yeah. that eleven million dollars into it from this year than yeah. waiting ne till next year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I I'm of the opinion, um, you know, and, and I have to. Derek Brooks held out. Right. He did back in the day. So I can't sit there and, and act like, oh, well, you know, the team's best players never held out. But Rondé Barber didn't hold out. Mike Allstott didn't hold out. 
Derek, Derek Brooks did one time. Warren Sapp, uh, to my knowledge, didn't hold out. Rondé Barber, you know, uh, there, there's a lot of players that have played for this team that have been great that that haven't. And um, this team was never going to let Derek Brooks walk. I, I don't know what their feeling is about Devin White. Derek Brooks was was a, a better player. He's the best linebacker in franchise history. Levante David is close behind him. Behind that, you've got Hardy Nickerson. Okay, uh, Devin White is at best the fourth best linebacker in franchise history. Shelton Quarles is is in the discussion as well. Mm-hmm. He's got just as many Super Bowl rings and just as many Pro Bowls as Devin White does, and he's got more tackles. Yep. Um. So, so maybe Devin White's fifth, but um, I don't know how this is going to sit with Todd Bowles, and I think Todd Bowles is the real linchpin of this whole thing with Devin White. And and if Todd Bowles is frustrated and fed up that if he feels a little betrayed by this, where uh, it's one thing to say, hey, I'm going to hold out. It's another thing to say, I want out of here. That's two different things. Now, Derek Brooks, the difference is he held out in training camp for a new contract, okay, Uh, before his deal was up. Devin White asking to leave is a completely different story. Okay. And, and it's one thing to say, I want more money. It's another thing to say, I want out of here because you're not giving me more money. That, that, that's a different thing, right? It's, it's like, it's like, uh, if your kid says, Hey dad, um, I, I want more money for my allowance, uh, or I'm not going to do the chores. Okay. That that's one thing. Okay. That's holding out. It's another thing to say, dad, I want more money for my allowance or I'm going to run away from home. That's a completely different story, is it not? <laughs> it, it's it's quite the analogy, and yes, it is a completely different story. So I, it I find it interesting. Like, why did it come out today, right? Yeah. And, and yeah, so that makes me think that they've been in negotiations about this extension, and those negotiations potentially broke down today, yeah. right? That that they're just so far apart on the numbers, and, and this is complete speculation from me. The Bucks may be offering five for eighty right? Five years, $80 million. Devin wants to break the bank. He wants to be number one. So he's probably looking for five for 105, right? And, and $25 million is a lot of, of, uh, in between. Yeah. So, and he's, and they finally, you know, maybe the Bucks said, this is our best offer. It's not going to get any better. Feel free to play on the fifth year option. And, uh, and that's why Devin's at this point said, okay, well then I'm going to play this card. Well, and I will say this, if if the two teams can agree to have Devin play on this year um, and, you know, if they, if they just say, hey, listen, um, you can choose to hold out, but we're going to be here next year. So we'll draft another linebacker and then, you know, we'll be here next year. Uh, oh, and by the way, the linebacker that we draft will replace you this year and then we'll replace Levante next year and then you can come back and play again yeah. on your fifth year option. <laughs> and, and, and if... If Devin says, okay, screw it, you know what, I'm just going to come back and play this year, and I'm going to sign elsewhere. Okay, fine. If that's the case, uh, then then Devin White is highly motivated to, motivated to play for someone else, for the Buccaneers this year, because he's actually playing for another team that films what he's putting out there. He's playing for his payday in 2024 elsewhere. And at the very least, the Buccaneers will get a high third-round compensatory pick if he walks. Yep. Because he may not get $22 million per year, even 20, even if he gets 18, 17 or something, he's still going to fetch a third round compensatory pick 
for the and Buccaneers. And that becomes the, the floor for negotiations on the trade. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Because why does. would they accept a sixth or a seventh when they know they're going to get a third after he signs? Yep. Exactly. Um, so the, here's a, a question here. Richard asks, so did he ask for an extension? And Light said, let's talk after your fifth year. We don't know that. Um, the Bucks don't really certainly publicly talk about contract uh, extensions and contracts, period. Um, don't have Devin White's number. Um, so I, I don't know if if uh, if there has been some contract extension talks between the two. Um, I, I just can't count, comment on that, so I'm not going to. Uh, but all I can tell you is what the Buccaneers have chosen to do, which is not extend him at this time and let him play on the fifth-year option. So that I can tell you. Uh, uh, Tony Saylor says, Scott complains about Nolan Smith, but was all about JTS. I, I was. I, I see the athletic potential and, and prowess that JTS has. I took into consideration he didn't play in 2020, which is a COVID-shortened season. That was a little bit of an extenuating circumstance there. The Pac-12, if you remember that year, was we're not going to play the season. Oh, we're going to play the season? No, we're not. We're going to play the season, but only four games, and then we're not. The SEC said, screw you, COVID. We're playing the entire season because we're a football country. What the hell? Uh, but for the Pac-12, they only played four games. So JTS, well, even if he would have played in Washington's 2020 season, would have only played four games. Yeah, and to Tony's point, I think one of the things that we've got to remember is our opinions of skill sets and our opinions of, of how players might transition, it's constantly evolving, right? Yeah. So Tony, if, if to, to JTS, and, and you know, I'm on the record, Bucks fans know this, they hate me for it. I'm still a big JTS guy, right? Yeah. Now, Scott, you, you liked him coming out. You've yeah, rightfully criticized him for not pick. being able to finish, right? Yeah. Which is a valid concern. It's just for me, when you and I debate this, I talk about predictive value where I think right. pressures are much more predictive and, yep. and sacks can be much more volatile, right? Right. But to Tony, to, to that point, Scott saw what happened with JTS and sees Nolan Smith, who doesn't have a lot of college production, right? And goes, you know what? I've learned something from this. Maybe I don't put as much weight into what I did with JTS right. now with J with Nolan Smith. So it's important yeah. that we all understand that, you know, every win and every L we take in terms of draft analysis informs our opinions going forward. That's, That's right. called a good process. Yeah, right? you're, you're exactly right. Spot on there. And, and I will say this. Let's say Shaq Barrett is healthy. Let's say he ended up with eight, 10 sacks last year. And he's coming back to play for the $23 million cap hit that he has this year at age 30. Okay. And let's say the only question mark wasn't Shaq, but it was JTS who stalls out at four sacks in each of the two seasons. Okay. And maybe the Buccaneers say, um, you know what? JTS didn't work out, but we know we we know we've got one guy in Shaq that can consistently get to the quarterback, right? Maybe didn't have that, you know, monster year that got him to a Pro Bowl, but you know, he's still Shaq. He's healthy, another year older, but you know, we know we can count anywhere between seven to ten sacks from Shaq. JTS is our question mark. Uh, at that point in time, I'm okay with with taking Nolan Smith. I really am, yeah. despite the lack of production, because again, same type of process that went into it with JTS. The athletic ability, the, the pass rush win rate, those things are there. But when you're looking at this 2023 Buccaneer team who did not have an outside linebacker lead this team in sacks, which is a staple of a Todd Bowles defense. Matter of fact, first time in a Todd Bowles coach defense that he has not had 
an outside linebacker at any stop, Arizona, uh, New York, Tampa Bay, lead his team in tackles, I think that this team needs to look for a guy that they know has done it, been there, done that kind of thing. And so th- that is this year with this set of circumstances, Josh, and also to t- Tony, uh, that that is what has kind of got me on a little bit of a pause and maybe leaning more towards a Will McDonald, a Felix Anadike Ozama that has a little bit of higher sack numbers against good competition because this Buccaneer team, they've got to get a pass rusher capable of getting close to double-digit sacks again this year. Exactly. And, and that's part of the reason why I love – you know, draft talk in general is because there are so many ways to evaluate a prospect and different people put different um, uh, values on different parts of the evaluation. And that happens between you and I, that happens between fans of the Bucks who who yeah. are, are readers and listeners to, to our uh, website and our, our podcast. And it happens in draft war rooms, right? Yeah. These same conversations are being had by the Bucks decision makers yeah. probably right now. Yeah. So, and, and there's, I wouldn't say there's any right way of doing it, right? Yeah. Because we've seen productive college players not pan out. We've seen high toolsy players who didn't have much, much uh, production not pan out. And we've seen it the other right. way. So um, it, it just makes for really great conversation. And it's going to be very interesting because I think we are very confident that the Bucks are going to take an edge rusher somewhere yeah. in the first couple of rounds. Yeah. Um, and they've brought in to kind of round out where we were earlier with Marcus. They've brought in every type. <laughs> they've brought in every single type. Exactly. Um, long lost leisure. Uh, we love Tony Saylor. We love long lost leisure. We love all you regular Peter people. Um, we love Emily. We love uh, just King Cook, all, all you regulars. We really appreciate you, Peter people. We're giving you some extra time today because this is a big topic. We had a guest. It's draft time. Let's go. Uh, but we got to wrap the show up here. We're at an hour and a half. That's that's about as long as anybody wants to be here, probably, uh, with dinner to make and all those things. Uh, long lost leisure. No more hyphenated names, please. With well, J.C. <laughs> Allen and myself, we have we have added another hyphenated name to Joe Tryon Shoinka. It's Joe almost Tryon Shoinka because he almost gets the sacks. Uh, I would be fine with Felix and Udike Uzama coming to the Buccaneers. He is the latest, in case you're just joining us, he is the latest a top 30 visit. Uh, matter of fact, got a cool little graphic here as we wrap up the show. We do have one more question for Josh that I want to get to, but here are the latest names. Uh, these are the, the top 30 visit tracker here. Uh, unless somebody has, has uh, within the last hour come to uh, one buck in your place or, or that news is, has broke. Yeah. Uh, here are your top 30 visits. I think there's 15 in total. Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. Will Levis, the quarterback from Kentucky. Clayton Toon, probably a day three quarterback out of Houston running backs. Uh, Josh's guy, Rashawn Johnson. Uh, offensive line, Darnell Wright, who's Matt Matera's favorite. I'm really, really warming up to him. I think you like him too, Josh, from Tennessee. Chris Murray, yeah. a day three guy, maybe an undrafted free agent priority guy out of Oklahoma, played guard there. Luke Shoemaker from Michigan was reported yesterday by Bailey Adams. Uh, defensive line, Adetomiwa Adebaware, Josh's guy from Northwestern. My guy, Carl Brooks from Bowling Green. Outside linebackers, Nolan Smith, B.J. Ojolari, Lucas Van Ness, Felix Andudike Ozama. Inside linebacker, Marte Mapu from Sacramento State, who Matt Matera likes as well. And Julius Brents from Kansas State. That should make 15 guys there. That's half the top 30. There it is. And we're, we're kind of getting a guy every day. 
just about uh, on this list. So that is that is the list. Right, let's round out the show with this final question here. And I had it up there just for a second, and I'm going to put it right back up here because this is really kind of geared towards you. Tristan Wirfs is going to cost per money. Uh, going to cost per year when they extend it. How much? What, what are we looking at? You actually did an article on this not too long ago, Josh, but uh, this is something the Bucks have to, to consider in a way too, right? Because you got Tristan Wirfs in a contract year uh, coming up because he'll, he'll get the fifth year option. Yep. Um, so, and, and then, uh, so I did, and, and I did an article. I was going to say, they, they might want to extend him early. They did that for Vita yes. Vea. I think, I think yep. maybe, maybe Devin's a little chapped because they did it for Vita Vea. They're probably going to do it for Tristan, but they're not going to do it for Devin. Um, but then you've got Antoine Winfield Jr. who doesn't have that fifth year option. So he's yep. in a contract year this year. Yeah. So, um, so I did an article, like you said earlier this off season. And I think at that time I put it around 23, 23 and a half million. It's been a little bit of time and, and I'm 150 draftable great guys yeah. in now. So brain's a little fried, but, um, but since then, since I, I, I wrote that article and said, he'll reset the, the tackle market, not just the right tackle market. Tristan yeah. Wirfs is going to reset the tackle market, yeah. um, proving that you can do it from the right side if you are a transcendent player like he is. Right. Um, since then, Laramie Tunsil has uh, gotten an extension from the Houston Texans, and he reset the market himself at $25 million a year. So that's, that's basically where the negotiations are going to be. You're going to see Tristan right. at that 25 mark. A lot of these players really love to kind of reset the market. Some of them by like 15 bucks, right? It may yeah. be 25 million and $15 per year, but <laughs> that's really what it's going to, to yeah. come down to. Um, most likely given that jump because Tunsil jumped it by two mil. Um, yeah. To kind of give some context, David Bakhtiari reset the market a few years ago at 23 million. And then Trent Williams, like two weeks later, his AAV was 23 million, $10,000. So yeah. just so he could get that that ring. Um, so yeah, so Wirfs, you're looking at 25 to 26 and a half AAV um, yep. is probably where he's going to be. So yeah, we are going to do this poll. We actually just talked about it before the show. We're going to yep. do a poll on Peter Report's Twitter account at Peter Report. So uh, we'll have that up probably in the next five minutes or so. Make sure you go there, and we're going to do a poll on Devin White. Do you want him to stay uh, or not? Uh, we'll have a couple options for you to to vote for. You pewter people are just awesome. Thanks for hanging with us. We've had a great turnout today. We want you to, if you haven't already, go to Pewter Report today. We've got a lot of content up. That's the mothership. Best bucks coverage, free agency draft coverage, and full swing. Make sure you're following us on our social media accounts. That is at Pewter Report on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And make sure that when you go to Facebook, when you follow us on Facebook, Click us to one of your favorites, and that way you'll see our Pewter Report feed there. So make sure you go to Facebook and set your favorites as Pewter Report. Make us one of your favorite channels. And also on YouTube, make us one of your favorite channels as well, Pewter Report TV. When you go to Pewter Report TV, hit the subscribe button. And also like the videos, like all of our podcasts. Hit the like, 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 like. That helps our algorithm, helps us get it in front of more Pewter people like you and more Buccaneer fans out there. We greatly appreciate you guys. Uh, folks, Matt Matera wasn't here. He's coming back tomorrow and Thursday. That's the good news. Um, the other good news is I think this has been the best Peter Report podcast we've ever done. Wasn't Mark as a tremendous guest? Josh, thanks for setting that up. 1,000%. Like I said at the top, kind of fanboy moment for me. Yeah. It was a lot of fun getting to chop it up with him. Yep. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Make sure that that uh, you tune in tomorrow for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. That's going to be at seven o'clock. You go prime time for these uh, uh, these next two podcasts, Wednesday and Thursday nights. We just hit a little bit of a different live crowd. Some people at work they appreciate having the later shows during the off season, so they can chime in with their super chats and their questions. And uh, uh, the other thing too is is I, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you guys one thing before we leave. We got to pay the bills. Um, age rejuvenation, folks, it works. As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to age rejuvenation because I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with age rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call age rejuvenation today. There's a picture of me working out at the gym. Uh, that was yesterday before the show. Um, I shaved a little bit this morning. I had a little bit of a scruff there. But if you want to get buff like me and hit the gym, um, and you're getting older. I'm 50, folks. I'm no spring chicken, even though I look great in that picture. Um, you want to get some testosterone therapy. Why? Because you might have low testosterone. I do, and I'm not ashamed to say it. Why? Because I'm just about like every other guy in their 50s and 60s. And even in my 40s, I had low testosterone. I didn't know it, but I felt sluggish. My workouts weren't the same. I had some mental fog. I was getting tired late at night, feeling like a loser, falling asleep on the couch during movies at 9 o'clock. It's because I had low testosterone. Go to Age Rejuvenation for a free consultation. Go to agerejuvenation.com, five Tampa Bay area locations to serve you. And you can get your testosterone checked. Insurance will pay for it. And you can also find out about their specials when it comes to testosterone therapy replacement. Josh, what a great show. Appreciate having you on, as always, my friend. And um, we're getting ready to start our Bucks draft previews and Bucks best bets. Yep. Still massaging our board a little bit when it comes to the Bucks best bets. We want to get those right. We had a couple right the last couple of years. And uh, Josh and I are working on that uh, feverishly. With our, with our group text, getting that done. So make sure you check out those on pewterreport.com starting later this week. And uh, we're conditioning you guys to get ready for our draft show live from one buck place. That's going to be Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, all three days of the draft, wall-to-wall coverage. Josh is coming in town for it. We'll have Matt Matera, Bailey Adams, JC Allen, the whole Peter Report gang. Sly will be there, Adam Slavon. So uh, a lot of action-packed stuff, wall-to-wall draft coverage. Folks, you know we do the draft better than anybody else. Make sure that you're stay tuned to Peter Report for our draft show, live draft show from uh, One Buck Place, and also for the Peter Report podcast tomorrow at 7 o'clock. For Josh Capo, I'm Scott Reynolds saying we'll see you on another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. <laughs>